in, outside of the path of totality, you might just see the shape of the sun change as, like I said, the moon eats away at it. And then the closer you are to the path, it'll get dark. It'll feel like dusk or, or dawn, um, but, but it won't get fully dark except for in the path of totality. So even 4% of the sun is a lot of sun. <laughs> the sun is really big. So if you can get in that 100%, supposedly the sky turns as black as night. Um, some people report like the crickets start in some of these natural phenomena. Oh my gosh, that's so weird. A, <laughs> yes. Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? Where Should We Camp Next National Parks? And Where Should We Camp Next? Budget Camping. This year, we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the RV Atlas podcast, which launched its very first episode in September of 2014. We hope you join us as we cover the best campgrounds, the best RVs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. Today, we are welcoming back on the show the wonderful and amazing Carrie Cox from Travels with Birdie. And we're going to be taking a solar eclipse RV trip. And Carrie is going to be sharing everything you need to know to do an amazing RV trip along the path of totality or near the path of totality um, for the solar eclipse that is coming up in April. This is a jam-packed episode filled with great solar eclipse content. We also want to celebrate that Carrie Cox has been a correspondent for the RV Atlas for 10 years. She has been here since that very first season of the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast. So we're also going to play a classic clip at the end of this episode from Carrie's very first episode that she appeared on the RV Atlas, which was then called the RV Family Travel Atlas, where she gave us a review of old 86 campground outside of Branson, Missouri. So we've got another classic clip coming up for you at the end of this show. But for now, let's dive right into this great episode on the solar eclipse. Let's welcome Carrie back onto the show. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at RV Share. With over 4 million nights booked and thousands of five-star reviews from happy customers, RV Share is America's number one RV rental site. With a wide-ranging inventory from affordable pop-up campers to luxury motorhomes, RV Share has a rental that is perfect for you. Whether you are looking for a pet-friendly RV or an RV that can be delivered directly to your campsite, RV Share makes the entire rental process simple and fun. Each booking on RV Share also includes 24-7 roadside assistance for the ultimate peace of mind on the road. No matter where the open road is taking you, get ready to use your outside voice because as soon as you step inside your RV rental, the adventure begins. Book your RV now for the solar eclipse this April and make sure to check out RV Share's total solar eclipse RV guide on RVShare.com. This landing page has great resources like solar eclipse packing tips and lists, solar eclipse family activities, and links to rentals in each state in the path of totality. Check out rvshare.com to find out more and use promo code RVATLAS30 for $30 off a booking of $500 or more. That's rvshare.com and promo code RVATLAS30 for $30 off a booking of $500 or more. Hello, Carrie Cox from Travels with Birdie, and welcome to the 10th anniversary of the RV Atlas. And you have been a part 
of this podcast for for 10 years. So I'm so excited to have you on and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I can't believe that either. I looked back and uh, to find out it was episode 36. So pretty, pretty, pretty long time ago. <laughs> you were on early. I mean, you were <laughs> yeah. on the first year. And, and in fact, yeah. I, I, my memory is so bad. I wasn't positive if you were on in the first year or like the beginning of the second year. And I thought your first episode was the Yellowstone podcast and the Grand Teton podcast, which came, I think, quite a bit later. I mean, the specifics of that first year are are not (laughs) really in my mind very well. You've lived a lot of life since then, I would say. Yeah, but I want to thank you so much for all of the wonderful podcast episodes, all of the contributions to the RV Atlas. And, you know, so a, a lot of it is on air coming on the show and doing all of these amazing episodes over the years, but also you've done a lot behind the scenes with us. Uh, so thank you so much for being part of this community for so long. Thanks. And as I posted the other day, like it's given me way more than I've given it. Just all of the inspiration, the places like Cape Cod, I never would have even dreamed of going there. And then like your episode was like, okay, we have to go there and feel that way about Acadia. Haven't made it there yet. And then of course the RV Atlas Facebook group. And I was one of those people who had been burned by one of those groups with the cranks in it. So it's just so nice. The the little corner of the RVing world you've created. Well, but also we've been inspired by by you and by Dean and by the correspondents too. Like we've been inspired to to go places. You you got to Yellowstone and Teton before we did, you know. And um, so that you you've helped me plan trips too. So <laughs> it's 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 the community that we're we're so proud of, you know. And uh, and you're such a key key part of it. Do you remember anything about that first podcast appearance? Any little memory? Like I honestly, <laughs> I remember reaching out to you over Instagram and saying, yeah. hey. Like, love your photographs. Do you want to yeah. go on the podcast? Which is like, you yeah. know, but I just yeah. remember thinking, okay, this is because we were, you know, we wanted correspondence. We wanted people in different right. parts of the country. And obviously being from Missouri, you're, you know, you're camping in a very different part of the country than us. But do you have any memories of that first appearance or anything? Were I, you nervous or were you like, oh, who, the, who the heck super, are these people? <laughs> I was super nervous because I, I remember when you reached out, I was just like, I don't think I'm a talker. I like, I'm have I love writing about RVing, but I just don't know about talking about it. And you were so kind. You're like, you'll be fine. It'll be great. And um, always do a good job of helping me feel comfortable talking, even when <laughs> my inclination sometimes is not. And um, so I appreciate that. Well, you know, yeah. no, and now actually I am remembering it wasn't just because of your beautiful photographs on yeah. your travels with Birdie Instagram account. Your blog, you were blogging a lot. Yeah. So I remembered, I definitely remembered reading your blog posts. And one thing I've discovered over 10 years of podcasting and this has tr- been true almost in every single case. And I keep almost waiting for it not to be true. People that are good writers are good on the show. I don't, because yeah. a, lot, a lot of people I invite on the show have a book or a blog or they write for magazines or whatever it is. And without fail, they all come on and they're good. So I think there's a link between the, the writing and the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and I apologize if Stephanie and I were like interrupting you a lot during that first interview. We were just a couple New Jersey kids. We, you know, that's how we would talk. We yeah. all talk at once in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, when I talk about you, I'm just like, I know these people in New Jersey who do this podcast. That's always the introduction. Then eventually I'll, I'll you know, tell them more about who you are, but it's just always these people in New Jersey, these people in New Jersey. My family's like, who are these people in New Jersey? So they finally got to meet you and, and it's fun. Oh, and you've become great friends, you know, and I'm so yeah. glad we've met in person. We haven't met everyone in person, um, yeah. but we have met a lot of you in person, the right, pe- pe- right. correspondents that come on the show. So you have an amazing episode for us right now. Let's dive in for people that really yeah. just want to learn about the eclipse. 
Um, so you have written several articles about the solar eclipse and and traveling by RV to see the solar eclipse. Um, so it just seemed like a really natural fit to get you to come on, kind of share everything that you've learned about the solar eclipse, give people tips for where they can see it. Yeah, you know, it, it could be getting harder to book, but I certainly still think it's possible to find sites and places to camp, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to break it all down for us. So if anyone wants to plan a last second trip, they can. But also, if you've already booked a trip for the solar eclipse, I think this will get you excited about it. Um, now, it just seems like there was a solar eclipse a, a few years ago, right? A total it eclipse was. like this. When was the last big one like this? Yeah. So back in 2017, there was another one. And the, it's kind of interesting because the arcs of the two were very different, but they um, basically make an X over Carbondale, Illinois. So the 2017 eclipse was basically from Oregon to South Carolina. <laughs> Sorry, make my arc the right way. And then um, the, this one is more from Texas to Maine. And uh, Carbondale happens to be in the center of both. So it's kind of interesting, on a, I guess, because of the way the world turns and has a different pathway this time. And I think this one is supposed to be longer and maybe more people in the direct path. And a lot of people viewed it last time. Right. I mean, this yeah. was a, a major cultural phenomenon last time, correct? Yeah, I think you had the stats on on your last show where I pulled them from somewhere else. But 215 million Americans watched it and 88 million traveled to do so. So um, the expectations are big for this one. We'll talk later and about some stats of how many people are traveling to see this one. It's, it's kind of wild, kind of mind, mind blowing. Yeah, it is. And, it, and in the camping and RV industry, as we said on the recent show, it's almost like it's kicking off camping season earlier. The traditional starts Memorial Day. Now there's all this energy and excitement and enthusiasm around the eclipse. And there's, there's tons of, of great camping on the path, which we'll talk about. So, so when is this next eclipse? Give us just the basic details for somebody who might get inspired and go, okay, it's a little, maybe a little last second, but I'm still going to plan a trip and do this. Yeah. So this is coming up quick, April 8th middle of the day so it'll be a great time for viewing it you know it won't be super early or late at night right in the middle of the day and as i mentioned 13 states stretching from texas to maine plus parts of mexico and canada will be in the path of totality and so um, the kind of cool thing is like all of the united states is going to experience this but really this path of totality is what you want to zone in on if you want the best experience and it's a big difference, right? Being in the path of totality as opposed to, to being somewhere else in terms of like what you see. Yeah. So the 2017 eclipse came of, you know, Missouri was in the, in the path of that. And we were at 96%. And I thought, you know, 96, that's really close to 100, right? You know, it sounds super close. But I just want to say that in the 96% zone, we kind of had an experience where it got close to dust. But I had friends who went to the, the path of totality and they said it was just really a different experience and that it was almost surreal. So that's what made us decide this year. We are definitely going to travel. already put in my uh, personal day at work to go. And uh, so we're hoping to head down to Arkansas to experience this. Okay. And the, the, the states in the path of totality are? Yeah, let's listen. So we have Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri. Illinois, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. 
So some of those states, it's just going to be a tiniest little sliver, but some of those states like Texas, it is really making a big arc across. I mean, Texas is a huge state anyway, but it's going to hit a lot of Texas and a lot of populated zones in Ohio and New York state. And in terms of RVers and campers, um, I'm in New Jersey and, and most campgrounds start to open up April 1st. As you go north of me, sometimes that's later, but you, you do have a lot of campgrounds starting to open in the Northeast around that time. And then obviously as you get South, pretty much everybody is open around that time. And like you said, there's some major population centers. So this one seems to be an even bigger cultural phenomenon this time around. Now you, you, you wrote some articles about this, which is how this whole like conversation got started. And I'll, I'll put those in the show notes so people can just click on the link at the rvatlas.com and read Carrie's articles. But just really quickly, what were those articles just to give a little yeah. shout out since that was the original inspiration? Yeah, so Good Sam um, had me write where to camp for the 2024 solar, solar eclipse and then seven things to know when camping for the 2024 eclipse. And I just had one that just came out this week on some of the festivals and um, fun events going on in the, in the pathway. So lots Lots of learning. I love doing the research and learning about these things. So even though it was on my radar, yes, I want to go. Yes, I want to do this. It's been really fun to dig more into it and see see all of the all of the fun stuff happening. And then you have some you have some more statistics here on like what percent um, is you'll see in different parts of the United States. So what's that? What's that next bullet you've got here? Because that's kind of interesting yeah. too. Yeah. So if you're outside of the path of totality, you know it gets, of course. Uh, less and less percent the farther you go. And so in uh, 20% in the Pacific Northwest. So you'll see maybe just like a little crescent taken out of the sun all the way to like 45% in in Southern Florida. So basically from those two tips, you want to come inward toward that path. And the closer you get, the more you'll experience. But even in those places, you'll see the sun kind of being eaten by the moon, you could say. So, you know, to get that that full experience, you know, a lot of people are are traveling, you know. Um, so what what percentage of Americans <laughs> are are interested here? Yeah. So RV Share actually did their travel travel trend report and found out 78% plan to view the eclipse. And just when you look at that map, I mean, really, it's a lot of Americans are in the path, but 53% are traveling to do so. So like us, I think there's a lot of interest in moving closer to that zone of totality. And um, and getting there for that bigger experience. And it's like an economic boom. I mean, you're talking about people renting RVs, people staying in hotel rooms, campgrounds being booked that are not normally booked on Monday, April 8th. You know, this yeah. there's an e- economic uh, driver here, you know, for, yeah. for a lot of tourism industries. Yeah, I've seen down in Arkansas where we were looking at going, I was checking the hotels and it was, you know, $500 a night for something that would normally be a lot closer to 100 a night. So. Um, lots of lots of interest, lots of travel. I've seen places where people are opening up their fields um, for camping and probably just also for people to hang out in. So I think there's going to be opportunities for everybody, you know, in the cities and towns hosting events. So it'll be a big day, big, big day of excitement. You mentioned like the dynamic pricing in the hotel industry and, <laughs> and you know, people are charging a lot for hotel rooms through that that weekend and that Monday or whatever. But obviously, everyone that listens to this podcast that owns an RV knows that the campground industry has also really uh, moved towards dynamic pricing. So anyone listening, I would be so curious if you'd shoot me an email or post in the RV Atlas group on Facebook, 
did you get a really high price spike on your campground reservations for this? What was it, a, you know, pretty normal down to earth price or were you people seeing exorbitant prices? I'm super, super curious about that. Um, and do these campsites cost more if they're directly in the path of totality as opposed to, you know, not being directly right, in the path? Right. And I've also seen lots of limits, uh, like night minimum stay requirements too. So even the places that aren't using dynamic prices are at least making you stay three or four nights in, in some of them. Right. Because they don't want somebody just booking Sunday night or something right, like that exactly. to be there Monday. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So what is the, the path of totality? Can you, can we get a little bit of like science going here? Yeah. So I saw the description somewhere online where someone described it as the difference between night and day and quite literally. So in, outside of the path of totality, you might just see the shape of the sun change as, like I said, the moon eats away at it. And then the closer you are to the path, it'll get dark. It'll feel like dusk or, or dawn, um, but, but it won't get fully dark except for in the path of totality, because that is where the moon will fully cover the sun 100%. So that's what the percentage is. I didn't explain that earlier. The percent is how much of the sun is covered. So even 4% of the sun is a lot of sun. <laughs> the sun is really big. So if you can get in that 100%, supposedly the sky told turns as black as night. Um, some people report like the crickets start in some of these natural phenomena. Oh my gosh, that's so weird. It's a, <laughs> yeah. So it's supposed to be really, really weird. I hope I'm not getting myself over overexcited, but I really think it it's supposed to be. And the length of that will change on the based on the location. So some places will have around like 90, 90 seconds of total darkness, whereas some places will be over four minutes of totality. So it's really crazy. You can look up, um, if your region's in the path, use Google and look up specific locations with the search term. Sorry, I had to go into librarian mode here, but look for the, the location and um, solar eclipse time or solar eclipse length. And a lot of places have been putting out charts where they'll tell you the specific location, what time the eclipse is happening, what the percentage is, and then the length. And so it's really cool to see um, I think we'll be heading down to a place with around 4% or four minutes of darkness. I'm really weird. Like if I, yeah. if I were like with you guys at a place, four minutes of darkness, you said, like I, everyone would be like looking up with their glasses on and I would be waiting for the crickets. Like that, <laughs> right, that to right, me is yeah. like more bizarre and interesting, almost like nature's fooled into thinking that it's right, that it's nighttime. Now, what was it like for you in in 2017 during the eclipse where, where you were? Yeah, so it was really fun. We were, Russell and I were both teaching at um, our local upper elementary school. I think one of our kids might have even still been in our building, but it was fun. We took all the kids out for recess and they all had the solar lights. Some of them had made um, paper plates that kind of attached to their lights, their, their um, glasses to cover more of their face so they could look up at the sky. And um, yeah, so it, it was 4% from being total coverage and it just kind of, you know, it all through the day, I, that's the other thing to mention. It is like a several hour event that it will take longer, you know, long time over the day to get dark. And then um, of course go back out of that. So we took the kids out when it was already getting pretty dark and then hung out for the highlight, which is, which was when it was mostly, uh, mostly covered. So it was, it was really pretty cool. 
All right, we've got a lot more. We're going to talk about, um, and Carrie, you did such a great job putting this all together for our audience. We're going to talk about interesting locations that are along the path of totality. So you could sort of almost do a combo trip where you're seeing the solar eclipse, but also visiting some cool spots. And then we're just going to give some more resources and information uh, if you want to camp along the path of totality or near the path of totality. Uh, But before we dive back into that great content uh, from Carrie Cox from Travels with Birdie, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Spacious Skies Campgrounds. Take your indoors outdoors with Spacious Skies Campgrounds, a collection of 15 campgrounds and RV parks spanning the eastern United States. Each location is unique, but all offer the perfect escape to the great outdoors. Whether you are looking for a relaxing weekend getaway, a full week's vacation, or a beautiful seasonal site, we welcome and invite all campers to camp on with Spacious Skies Campgrounds. Choose from RV sites, cabins, yurts, retro RV rentals, or tent sites, and enjoy on-site amenities that offer convenience, creature comforts, and fun. Also make sure to check out Spacious Skies Campground's Cosmic Camper Loyalty Program for 12% off all reservations and exclusive deals. Spacious Skies Campgrounds also invites you to join them for a winter camping getaway with eight campgrounds that are open year-round, including locations in New Hampshire, New Jersey, Virginia, North and South Carolina, and Tennessee and Georgia. Whether you are a lifelong camper or new to nature, plan your next outdoor adventure with Spacious Skies Campgrounds. Visit them at SpaciousSkiesCampgrounds.com for more information and easy online booking. That's SpaciousSkiesCampgrounds.com. Welcome back to the show, Carrie Cox from Travels with Birdie. I'm so excited to be here um, talking with you about um, this solar eclipse and everything you need to know to take a cool solar eclipse RV trip. So there's lots of you, you mentioned the states that are in the path of totality. There's also a lot of really cool locations that might make for a great RV trip along the path of totality to kind of maybe make a, you know, easily a long weekend out of it, but maybe you could even do a whole week depending on your schedule. So what are some of the cool things in the path of totality? Yeah. So the statistics show there are two national parks that are in the path of totality Um, One is Arkansas's Hot Springs National Park. So that's kind of a unique place to visit. It's um, actually a town. It has the bathhouses. I think we did an episode on it a few years back. Um, So that's a fun place to be. There's some overlooks up in the hills where you'd have a good open view. And then a place I've never been is uh, um, Ohio's Cuyahoga. Mm -hmm. Did I get that right to the Easterners? Cuyahoga Valley National Park. And I know that that's more of an urban park that has a lot of uh, natural beauty and uh, in, a, in a more urban environment. So I think that'd be a cool place too. Okay. And there's also some NPS sites, not full on yeah. national parks, but there's also a bunch of really cool NPS sites along the way too. Yeah. I mean, this almost sounds like this is like the perfect storm for RVers and campers in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Near me, we have the Ozarks National Scenic Riverway and Ozark uh, and Arkansas's Buffalo National River, which are both um, great NPS sites with tons of natural beauty. I didn't look up all the other NPS sites in the other states, but I know there's a lot of them. And national forests, there's, you know, the people who are wanting to go to a remote location can find national forests in the path. And that's a good way if you want to get away from the people for this to head there. Um, If you want all the people, there's a ton of large cities, um, just to name a few, Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, Fort Worth, Indianapolis, Cleveland, Syracuse, Rochester. I mean, that's just a few of the big cities directly in the path. 
you're making me just kind of think that there's going to be so many different types of experiences and so many different types of uh, eclipse uh, trips. And this is really, uh, anyone listening in the RV Atlas community, if you've got a solar eclipse trip planned, please post in the group before or after, share some pictures, tell us how you're doing it, where you're going. Uh, I would love to see those photos and just love to know how everyone is making this uh, happen. And I'm not going to say where we're going to be that week, but it will not be along the path of totality. (laughs) It will definitely not. Um, So I'll live vicariously through the rest of you. Yeah. Um, some other popular destinations. So we, you know, you talked about yeah. MPS sites, national parks, cities. That's not it though. Right. No, there's like so many cool places. So Niagara Falls, like, can you imagine being at Niagara Falls, which is already cool anyway. And you have these big open views from some of those scenic overlooks. Um, so it'll be there. New York's Finger Lakes region. I really don't need another excuse to go there because I already think it's an awesome, awesome place. We'd love to go back. Um, Adirondacks haven't, haven't been there ourselves, but I know that's a popular spot. Uh, Texas Hill Country, again, another fantabulous place to have a long weekend combined with the um, the big show. Maine's Mount Katahdin. Katahdin. <laughs> Katahdin, yeah. And then the shores of Lake Erie. So up in, uh, I think that would be the Ohio, Pennsylvania kind of area up in there. And April 8th, it's so interesting because... In Maine, there could be snow on the ground. Yeah. And it could be quite warm and nice in Texas Hill Country. So you have all these different kind of climates along the way. And like I said, as you get further north, there's maybe not all the traditional campgrounds are going to be open, but maybe you could boondock. Maybe you could use a harvest host location. Maybe you could driveway surf at a friend's house, something like that. I mean, RVers are pretty crafty with uh, with figuring things like that out when campgrounds are not open. Um, so if you want to find out about state parks... Uh, that are along the path of totality. You also wanted to mention a resource there. Yeah, RV Share has a state park camping guide that that you'll link to in the show notes. And what I really liked about this is it has a list broken down by state with the percentage of totality for each state park. And then um, that's a good starting point. And then kind of, as I mentioned earlier, Google's your best friend. So you can always go for your state name plus solar eclipse plus state park because a lot of these states park websites are on it. They have um, a list of all of the parks in their state in the path, and we'll give you tons of information about how long the eclipse will be, what's going on there. State parks are probably where you'd have the least um, good chance of getting campsites. A lot of those filled up first because they didn't take advantage of this and probably overcharge or anything. And they're, of course, such beautiful places to be. But um, lots and lots and lots of really, really terrific. Like I can't emphasize enough, really terrific. Uh, we are hoping to go to Arkansas's Petty Jean State Park, which I talked about before, such a beautiful place, again, with those overlooks. And uh, we just hope they let us in. We, I'm going to call and see whether any of these places are going to have like a limit on how many people can come through for those day trippers, um, since we didn't get reservations inside the park. So we're going to have to see what their policies are, uh, which is a good thing to double check. If you are planning a special trip, call ahead, just kind of say, hey, what's going to be your setup for the day? Are you letting so many cars in or um, that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's a really, really great tip. And I, I, I can't emphasize enough. If this is something you have not planned already and you want to plan, yeah. finish listening to the podcast here with Carrie and get on it. Because you're going to have to be crafty. You're going to have to be looking for cancellations. You're going to have to think about alternative ways to camp. 
Um, I, I would really consider if I couldn't get a site at a state park or something like that, I'd, I'd consider, like I said, driveway surfing, see mm-hmm. what Harvest Hosts yeah. has, um, you know, fi- figure out all your options to make it work. Yeah. And, and if you're not, if you're in, if you live somewhere somewhat close to the path of totality, that's still a great resource because you might find a state park just to go to for a day trip, right? Yeah. Just to see it in a really cool, beautiful place. But I would not have even thought about what you just said, that they might um, max out or parking lots might right. fill, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, planning yeah. is super important. The cool thing is, uh, I should mention, cool thing is even if you can't get, like if we can't get in the gates at Petty Jean, we'll still see the solar eclipse. <laughs> so it's right. it's massive. It's huge. So even if we have to park on the side of the road, um, we know we'll be in a great location. And so um, that's the other good thing to keep in mind. It's, it's not limited to the bounds of any of these places. So um, you can find a spot to park yourself. And as long as you're safe, you're going to experience it. And in the show notes, I'll link to that RV share um, landing page for the solar eclipse. They're a sponsor of the podcast this year. And they also have just a really tremendous bunch of resources on that page. So any anything else we need to know about camping for the eclipse? Any other resources you wanted to point out? Any other thoughts in that department? We did we did cover some of these things, but anything else there? Yeah. So just um, as we mentioned earlier, it's in it's it's on a Monday, so you can get a long weekend in if you uh, find us find a site. Reservations, state parks, probably book. Um, there's a few places I'm going to try to try to turn up some hidden gems near me in case we can still get a campsite, but otherwise we're close enough for a day trip, which is totally fine. Um, and then just consider those outside of the box places. So um, Hip Camp is a, a service where you can find people who are renting out private land. So again, if you have one of those smaller RVs or a tent, they do also have people with travel uh, with RV sites with full hookups, so that's a great way to maybe find something that's not at a campground that could still be available. Um, Campendium, if you look for your location, you can find all the campgrounds in the region. And Spot Tonight was another good resource um, because it can help you directly book tent and RV sites. So get on it if you haven't already. I know <laughs> I've been talking about this for months and months, and I still don't have all of my stuff all of my boxes checked, but that's because I have the luxury of being within a day trip. So I might take either way. I think that, you know, if you haven't planned it yet, I think you can still pull it off if you're flexible and not like Mm -hmm. super didactic. Like I need a full hookup site right in the path of totality at amazing RV resort, or I want to stay at the most popular state park here, you know, look for those, those kind of hidden gems. And I think you might still have some luck. So we're going to come back in a second, talk a little bit more about the solar eclipse, kind of wrap that up. And then we're going to start to um, set up a classic clip from Carrie Cox's very first appearance on the RV Atlas podcast 10 years ago. But before we do both of those things, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Harvest Hosts. With overnight RV camping at over 5,099 farms, wineries, breweries, attractions, and more, Harvest Hosts is America's largest and most fun RV camping membership program. And because it only costs $99 per year, a Harvest Host membership is also an incredible value. Members with self-contained RVs can enjoy a wine tasting, feed alpacas, purchase some fresh farm produce, and more all while enjoying an unforgettable overnight stay. Spend the night at a museum, 
wake up to beautiful vineyards, visit unique attractions, or enjoy a local brewery. With thousands of locations, there is something for everyone to enjoy, all with no camping fees. In return, members are asked to support their hosts by purchasing one of their local products with each stay. Looking for a last-minute booking for the solar eclipse in April? Harvest Host opens reservations 90 days in advance and is a great option for those looking for a stellar experience. Visit HarvestHost.com and use promo code ECLIPSE24 to save 20% off of your annual membership today. That's HarvestHost.com and promo code ECLIPSE24 to save 20% off on your annual membership today. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Carrie Cox from Travels with Birdie, almost 10 years after her very first appearance on the RV Atlas podcast. The actual 10th anniversary for the show is September 20th. So it hasn't quite been 10 years, but um, so appreciative of all of your great appearances. And this is yet another one. And we've got some, oh my gosh, we've got some really cool Carrie Cox appearances coming up this season. Maybe we can talk about in a second. What, what else do we need to know? Like what, what, if you, what if you're listening and you don't own an RV? What if you live really far away and you want to do a last second trip? And any other options or things to think about? Yeah, so RV Share has rental options in the Path of Totality, and they've partnered with Spot tonight where you can book a full package that includes your campsite and the RV delivery and setup on site and access to like a concierge team. So check into that. That might be a cool way. And like I said, just really be willing, you know, to, to think outside the box or to park farther away. We're we're around three hours. And I really don't think the campgrounds in our location are going to be full. And so even if you get within three hours or so of the zone of totality, you can get there as a day trip um, by one or two o'clock in the afternoon, which is where it's happening in a lot of locations. I would say don't seek out solar eclipse perfection in your travel plans. Just get out there and go have fun. (laughs) Now, what about actually viewing the eclipse that day? What do we need to know? What are the basic details? Yeah, so lots of locations are celebrating this. I think town. I saw some came across some research that some towns were getting um, received grant funds to put together a huge community organization or community celebration. So that's really cool. Um, I will link in the show notes. I have an article about a few places, a um, few festivities that looked pretty cool. But NASA is sending out teams to different locations, and they're going to be um, reporting live from those locations. So if you can't get to the eclipse itself, look for NASA and for those live um, remote uh, reports. Lots of family activities, science speakers, just all of those things um, going on all across. Make sure to take your solar eclipse glasses. If we didn't learn in 2017, hopefully you learn now. You can't look directly at this. So this is the greatest event that you won't actually be able to look at um, <laughs> happening. But The special eclipse glasses allow you to look at that um, directly. And then um, a lot of people make pinhole projectors where you can um, see the shape of the sun changing. So that's kind of a fun way, especially if you have kids. I think even without a pinhole projector, I've seen pictures where just the shadows, like shadows are going to look weird that day as the sun is getting, um, again, I keep saying eaten by the moon. Some (laughs) some science person out there is like, But um, yeah, even shadows look weird when this happens. So um, look around you, enjoy it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then it could be a really long time, I think, before maybe this, we may not see something like this again in our lifetime. I didn't double check the actual stats on this, but um, 
this might be one of the last big ones for the USA that I know of. I love, and you know, we live in such a fractured, divided country in so many ways. And I, I just have a, such a soft spot for anything that gets a vast majority of Americans excited about something or just I think anything that brings people together. It's, it's like really one of the reasons I actually love camping and RVing. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it brings a, a lot of Americans together into these common places that we share and these beautiful national parks and campgrounds. And this, this is just genuinely super exciting. So thank you so much for all the great intel here. Now, throughout this 10th anniversary season, I want to play classic clips from the first year, the first couple of years of the podcast, um, as it feels appropriate or as it ties into something that we're doing. And so this is Carrie's first appearance uh, this season. So I want to play... <laughs> a clip from Carrie's very first appearance on the RV Atlas podcast, which I believe was episode 36. And you reviewed um, old 86 campground. Um, And back then we weren't doing whole episodes on a campground review. Like we did a whole segment on packing up the kids for an RV trip. And then you came on. Now, I don't remember this conversation at all, but like, why did you pick old 86 campground for your very first appearance? I think we really hadn't camped a ton before that first appearance. Like we had camped maybe three or four times. So that was one of the, like the few places we had been. We'd been there. It was pretty. We'd been to this campground in Iowa. That was not cool. I don't even remember where our third place was. So it really maybe may have been only one of the places, but I do remember captioning a photo of that place of birdie perched on this, you know, peninsula and the the lake surrounding it and saying something like all of this for like $21 a night. So I think that's when we were really hooked that we could be in this amazing natural environment and our RV is like literally right on the lake. Like I'd never stayed anywhere like in a hotel that night. So it was really cool to, uh, to experience that. And that first Army Corps of Engineers. <laughs> yeah. Army Corps of Engineers. That first trip, like we didn't know how to, we didn't know to cool our refrigerator. Um, we had all kinds of mishaps along the way. So yeah, we still enjoyed it. We're still going eight, nine, 10 years later, I guess. So it's good. <laughs> so you've been, you have been back a bunch of times since that original review. Yeah. Yeah. And how uh, far is that? Remind me, how far is it from Branson again? Yeah. So it's about probably 30 to 40 minutes, kind of depending on how far you're going into Branson, what you're doing, because it's more remote since it's out on this lake peninsula. Um, but we just fell in love with it. It's a good place to visit it again and again. We've ventured out, tried a few other places in Branson and um, need to especially tried some new Corps of Engineer parks down there on Table Rock Lake and um, just want to go back. There's some new, new places we haven't tried yet. So we're always wanting to get down there and see what's new. And we're going to, I'm not going to tell our listeners both of the episodes that you and I are, are, are planning, but I'll give them a sneak peek of one. Um, so we'll do, you will come back on at some point to, as soon as we can, um, and do sort of a roundup of Branson area campgrounds. You know, I don't know, we'll figure out the exact number, but sort of an episode where it's like, here's eight great campgrounds around Branson. And then also talk about things to do in, in Branson. I think that'll be a terrific episode for people to, to plan trips there. Yeah. Super fun, super fun place to be. Um, nature and all those attractions that are that you might find like in a Myrtle Beach or places like that. It's just one of those Gatlinburgs, uh, a place where there's something for everyone. Yeah, exactly. That's a great comparison. That's it. And we've done like Myrtle Beach episodes like that, like the 10 best places to camp around Myrtle Beach. Yeah. And those are always super popular. 
Carrie, I cannot thank you enough for all of the amazing content over the years and not just the campground, you know, so you've done a lot of campground reviews. You've done a lot of national parks type content that, that that's the, my favorite type of content that Stephanie and I create among the, my favorites. You've done a lot of those national park type episodes, but you've also done, you know, other episodes with like the tips and the tricks and your, your kids are just sort of a handful of years older than my boys. And I always joke that a lot of your content about like RVing with teenagers or whatever it might be has given me like a sneak peek into that, that next stage of RVing for my life. And I think that's still somewhat true because you're sort of, you're sort of entering this next stage of your RV lives, uh, which I'll get to at some point with Stephanie. So um, I've appreciated all that too. Um, So without further ado, um, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park Camp Resorts, and then we're going to come back and we're going to listen to a few minutes of Carrie Cox's very first appearance on the RV Atlas podcast, which was called RV Family Travel Atlas at that point. (laughs) But we stopped calling it that because we knew we were going to get older one day and travel without (laughs) the kids. And I'm not there yet, but I am. I'm there empty nest flying solo. So (laughs) your days are coming, but it's good too. It's good too. There's something good about every stage. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Different chapters for different parts of our lives. Uh, So we will be back in a second with a classic clip with Carrie Cox from Travels with Birdie. Our family has been staying at Jellystone Park locations for over 12 years. There are more than 75 Jellystone Park locations across the United States and Canada, and each one is unique, but our kids love them all because each Jellystone Park has fun attractions like pools, water slides, splash grounds, mini golf, laser tag, and jumping pillows. Plus, there are tons of activities all day long, such as foam parties, dance parties, wagon rides, tie-dye, and movie nights. They even have themed events like Chocolate Lovers Weekend, Christmas in July, and Halloween weekends in the fall. Of course, we can't forget the fun of hanging out with Yogi Bear, Boo Boo, and Cindy Bear. And at Jellystone Park, you can stay in your RV or enjoy one of their glamping accommodations as many locations offer luxury cabins, yurts, covered wagons, and more. Make Jellystone Park a part of your family's vacation in 2024, because it's not just a campground, it's Jellystone Park. To book your vacation today, visit jellystonepark.com. That's jellystonepark.com. And don't forget to tell Yogi Bear that Jeremy and Stephanie said hello. So, so let's talk about your uh, your campground here. So, so what campground are you reviewing, and what did your family love about it? All right, this is the old Highway 86 campground um, in Branson, Missouri, on Table Rock Lake. Um, I know the name doesn't sound very glamorous, Old Highway 86, but um, I, I actually, I think it sounds very <laughs> uh, yeah. glamorous. It sounds it's, like Route 66 uh, yeah. or I think it's Americana. <laughs> yeah. So it is just a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, when I Instagrammed a picture of it, I wrote that it was a million dollar view for $21 a night. And, um, it's just been one of the prettiest places we stayed at and one of the cheapest places we stayed at. Uh, we picked it to be our um, first campground because when we first got the travel trailer, everybody said to go someplace close. And mm-hmm. we are lucky, lucky to live by the um, tourist destination of Branson. Um, but we didn't want to stay you know, right in Branson, we wanted a nice, quiet place to stay. 
And we had seen old Highway 86 um, actually from the lake for the first time. We'd went out on a boat with a relative and just saw this beautiful peninsula with all of these campsites under the trees and all of the campsites are right on the water. So I was like, wow, someday I want to stay there. That's just such a pretty place. And at the time we didn't have our own camper. We figured we'd be staying there with um, my husband's family who um, we usually travel with. But then soon enough, we had our own tramp, um, our own camper and went down to um, old 86. So describe the sites at this campground because they looked pretty beautiful. It looked great. Yeah. And we'll, we'll link to your blog post, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, just, just tell our listeners a little bit. What are the sites like? Sure. In um, 2011, there was actually a flood on the um, of the lake, and so they redid all of the campsites in 2012 and made them just really nice, flat, um, perfectly level campsites with terraced slopes down to the lake. And I think about 75% of the sites are actually on the lake. So you have this gorgeous view. You can walk down your steps and hop in the lake if you want to. Um, you can fish right from your campsite. Uh, you described that in the blog post, you talked about how there's kind of two different spots where you could do swimming, like right in front sure. of your site. But then there's also a, a spot for swimming that was maybe a little bit yes. more kid friendly. Exactly. Yes. Because our, our spot had, you know, the regular rocky area that goes into the lake and mm-hmm. our boys are big enough that they could kind of manage that. But if I had small kids, I would want to take them up to the, um, swimming area because it was a nice gradual slope and they had put sand in there. So it was really comfortable for your feet and, um, had picnic tables and things right close to it. Now it also looked like you almost had like a patio, you know, in right in front of your uh, campsite that looked over the water, like with with the picnic table and everything. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that on a, on like a $21. (laughs) Yeah. The the sites are mostly gigantic and the way that ours curved around, we just had this whole little corner of the peninsula right to ourselves. And um, we later walked around the campground several times, you know, to see how many of the spots are that pretty. And the majority of them are. They just really are um, nicely laid out and have um, really nice campsites with right on the water. There are some interior sites that do not have mm-hmm. water frontage. So if you book a site there, the best thing to do is go to the um, recreation.gov or recreation.org website. I forgot which one it is. But if you Google Old 86, it'll take mm-hmm. you to the, the right one. And they let you pull up pictures of each campsite. And then they also tell you um, how many feet to the shore it is. And then it'll tell you if it's not a waterside site. So that's really helpful. Good, good tip. Now, these were water and electric sites, not full hookup sites, correct? Right, right. That is the one downfall. Um, But again, for $21 a night, you can't beat it. And um, so they do have a dump station. (laughs) Any other amenities for the kids in terms of playground or volleyball or anything like that? Yes, they have a, a playground, a volleyball area, basketball, and they can, you can fish from anywhere on the on the shore. And they say that there's snorkeling there. I guess if you bring your own equipment, you can hop in the lake. Oh, well, they, <laughs> they also have a boat dock there. So if you bring your own boat, well, we noticed a lot of boaters in the campground because then you can just hop right so, in the water. So there were not necessarily rentals, but if you brought your own kayak or something like that, it was a, it looked right. like a great spot for that. Right. And there's a lot of places in, um, in the area that do rent boats. So if you want to rent one and drive it over to the campground to pick up your family, you can do that too.
thank you so much for joining us for the 10th anniversary season of the RV Atlas. To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to the RVAtlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. And if you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And make sure to pick up copies of Where Should We Camp Next, wherever books are sold. And we will see you at the campground.